Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing professors from LFBI. We get together every week. We have conversations about ministry leadership, about theology, about missions, and sometimes we have conversations about biblical counseling, which is a class that we offer here at LFBI. This week, we're going to be having a conversation about depression specifically, and we're going to be having that conversation with uh, one of the professors from the Bible Institute, uh, Jonathan Kindler, who's also a professional counselor and a teaching elder here at Midtown Baptist Temple. Now, depression is a very difficult subject matter. In fact, uh, at the, this moment in time uh, in American history, we're seeing a, a rise in clinical depression. It's just skyrocketing. And since the pandemic, especially, we're beginning to see people struggling with all kinds of new uh, forms of despair because of isolation and fear and uh, economic issues that our country is facing. And so people are really struggling and, and beginning to have new fears and, and, and we're seeing an, a rise in depression. Also, the, the suicide rate of young people is just, is just year upon year uh, increasing to the point that's just, it's hard to believe and it's, it's heartbreaking. And so uh, questions about depression seem really, really relevant right now. And that's why we want to have this conversation with John. And so John, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, man. Um, let's just start by talking about the impact that depression is having on our world right now. Yeah. It, depression is um, hitting us heavy. This is a, a big year for it. Um, you know, as you, as you said, with the pandemic and how um, people are managing that as it hits them in different ways. And it, it's, it's tough to talk about because of how unique the experience is for each individual, mm -hmm. like how they go, how they're going through it. And um, even before the pandemic happened, um, you know, depression was on the rise, you know, and um, we, the statistics are staggering, you know, 50% of young people, millennials and Gen Z are um, wrestling with anxiety and 40% are wrestling with fear and depression and uh, suicide is uh, second in, um, you know, taking the lives of young people, 15 mm, to 35. The death rate among young people. Right. Wow. Right. Yeah. So um, it's something that we, we definitely need to talk about. And uh, you know, when we go through distressing seasons and we don't work through it biblically, uh, then it produces anxiety. And when we sit in that too long, then it becomes despairing. And mm -hmm. it's essential for us as believers to understand it biblically so that we can not only recover our ourselves from the snare, but also being able to be apt to, to teach, mm -hmm. you know, those who are, who are suffering from it. And guide, guide other people which is what we want to get to in this episode, right, is, yeah. is maybe frame the conversation around depression, understand it, define it, and then hopefully by the end of the episode, we'll have had a conversation about what to do about depression, how to guide other people, like you said, to help to lead other people out of the snare of the devil. Yeah. Uh, so how does the Bible, you know, speaking of that, define depression? Like, how does it talk about it and how can we recognize it in scripture to help guide us? Right. Well, so the Bible, you know, as we look throughout scripture and we see men in the Bible who wrestle with depression, we see mm -hmm. Cain, uh, the first um, individual who we clearly see is wrestling with depression. Mm -hmm. Moses, Elijah, David throughout the Psalms is constantly, uh, you know, wrestling with the circumstances he in, he's in. And yeah. Uh, Jonah, Judas, Peter, we have all of these men in scripture who 
uh, display to us, um, you know, what it is like to go through that. And, and we have some individuals who give us a good picture and others who give us a picture of what not to do. And mm-hmm. uh, it's not mentioned directly like the, the, the word depression. The, right. Right. Um, but but we see a lot of language in scripture that that speaks to it. Um, it talks about despair and a fallen countenance and a broken spirit and a wounded spirit. So we have all of this language that we can go to. Ultimately, um, you know, depression is the reasonable response to fleshly solutions to our circumstances. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, it's only a matter of time to where we get into that space mm-hmm. uh, if we aren't responding to what's happening in our life, um, you know, in a biblical way. It's hard not to talk about depression without talking about anxiety uh, and also talking about how we process emotions. And mm-hmm. uh, often I, I think of um the unpleasant emotions that we we experience as humans. And I say that specifically because often we'll talk about unpleasant emotions as negative right. emotions, but they're not really negative or positive. They're just a gauge, right? right. And we see throughout scripture how God has given us these gauges uh, that really let us know where we're at. Um, it doesn't even necessarily let us know what's true. Uh, it just lets us know where we are. We can assess ourselves based on how we feel. So as an example, maybe anger isn't necessarily good or bad. It's an emotion. Uh, it's based on what we do with that anger that makes it good or bad, right? Absolutely, yeah. how we respond to it. And, uh, you know, so I, I think about it like in our, you know, you put in uh, an address in your phone app to your GPS, right? You put in that address, but it's not really helpful unless you know your location. So I know what my location is. I'm angry, right? Mm-hmm. And and this is the reason why, which then allows me to direct myself in the word of God to what is true, right? To so, get to where you need to be. Absolutely. Which is peace before the Lord. Absolutely. Right. So if we don't do that, right, then that creates anxiety in our life. There's this uh, tension, this grinding in our spirit between mm-hmm. uh, where we are and in contrast to what God's called us to be. And, you know, if we sit in that too long, um, then we start to have some defeat and s- some despair. I think about it like, uh, um, you know, if, if emotions are the gauges, then anxiety is like the alarm that goes off. Mm-hmm. And, and that alarm is telling us, hey, there's a problem here. And if we don't address that alarm, after a while, the batteries start to die, so mm-hmm. to speak. And that's what it is like for someone yeah. who is, you know, depressed. They, um, you start to see these symptoms of exhaustion and uh, defeat and they can't get out of bed. And, you know, so we see all of this happening and um, it's because they haven't addressed things that have been going on for a while. Mm-hmm. The symptoms only arise when the emotion hasn't been dealt with properly. I've, I've heard you describe it this way before too. It's like your emotions are all the things on the dashboard of your car. Right. I think this is a really helpful illustration mm-hmm. that I've heard you use. And, and there's different there's different gauges. I'm not good at cars, so I'm not really gonna, you know, <laughs> it, describe all of what they do. But you know, they tell you if the car is overheating or whatever. But when the in check engine light comes on, you know that, that things are going too far. Like there's a point at which your emotions mm-hmm. begin to rule you and then your feelings become your God in some ways. Mm-hmm. And that's where things are really beginning to get dangerous if you let your feelings rule over you. Right. right. So it, it would in that in that picture, you 
you're not going to be very effective at driving the vehicle if you're fixated on the gauges, mm -hmm. right? So we simply just want to know what they mean, and that's information so that we can continue to drive where we need to go, yeah, right? So right. if I'm preoccupied with this this light that's popped up on my dash and I don't I don't know what it means, then that robs me of my you know attention, mm -hmm. you know, of being on you know where God has me to go. Yeah, and in a world where we devote so much of our energy to understanding our own emotions, mm -hmm. it's like we're we're so obsessed with how we feel that it's almost like we're driving a car, but we're not looking at the road. Exactly. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So there has to be a balance in it. We want to understand them simply to be able to to bring them to the feet of Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. So if I don't understand it, then I'll be you know, fixate on it. And if I, if all of my, you know, energy is going to, um, fixating on it, then I don't, you know, I'm not driving the car. Right. So, um, yeah. So we want to know them and then bring them to the Lord. Mm. So now that we've kind of framed a general idea, uh, about how the Bible talks about depression uh, in terms of despair or a fallen countenance and, mm. and these things, we can go to the Bible and really begin to understand what it looks like, how it manifests. You know, you talked about sleeping too much and and these different things that are kind of signals and signs that you you're you might be headed the wrong direction mm -hmm. in terms of your emotion with that in mind we've kind of got that definition definition in place how how does the secular world define depression and how does it conflict with our biblical perspective so the clinical world uh secular world describes uh depression as a disease and it has been found to be the most prominent disorder. You know, they describe it as the common cold of mental health. It's uh, incredibly uh, prevalent. 40 million people in the United States are, you know, diagnosed with depression. Mm -hmm. This language of the disease is um, really concerning because it places the individual in a place where they don't have any power over it and it mm -hmm. becomes their identity. It takes any power that they have from being able to overcome anxiety or depression. And so uh, despite how invasive and prominent depression has been, medical science admits overall that they don't really know chemically at least what uh, is largely causing depression. So uh, this is a huge deal because 40 million people in America are clinically diagnosed with depression. Hmm. So, so, what, so what does the secular therapist do uh, to help curb these feelings? I mean, what are, the, what are the cures? What are the answers, at least as far as the, the, the world goes? So because it's framed as a disease, um, the only thing that you know one can do or the most effective way to cure a disease is to provide some sort of treatment mm -hmm. and and that comes in the form of, of medication so mm -hmm. um, you have people taking you know prozac and zoloft and you probably heard some of these these are yeah. selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors and mm -hmm. basically what they do is they hold the door open on these on these uh, neural pathways that allow, allows serotonin to flow uh, more effectively. Yeah, maybe describe what is serotonin? What is it? Yeah, so serotonin is like the happy chemical. When you mm. go for a run or you do a workout, um, this is what gets released into your brain. And yeah. so these synthetically um, hold that door open, so to speak, so these uh, serotonin can flow. And um, this treatment is um, for anxiety and depression. It's what they found to do. And unfortunately, though, for, for decades, uh, they've been doing studies on this, and it, they haven't been able to identify any positive correlation between serotonin levels and depression, right? That's mm -hmm. unfounded. Mm -hmm. So 
it does, uh, the, the idea sounds good, right? Like you don't feel happy. And so let's, and you know, allow this, this chemical to keep pumping into your brain. Um, but it hasn't been uh, effective. Wow. Right. To understand, um, chemical imbalance, we first need to know what balance looks like, mm -hmm. right? And neuroscience to date has not characterized the optimal brain state, right? So we don't even know what, how to assess what a balanced brain should even look like. So what that means essentially is that millions of people are tending to these, their anxiety and their depression by treating their symptoms with unfounded treatment without actually addressing the root issue. Wow. It's like, it's like they're trying to make soup, but they're not really sure what kind of soup and they're just pouring ingredients in. Right. Like they have no idea what the, the, the end goal is. Right. So there's a, there's this guy, he's a, he's a, a neuroscience mm -hmm. guy, a neuroscientist. And, um, and this kind of, it's similar to the analogy you just gave, but he gave an analogy in a Ted talk that he did kind of challenging the, the whole, uh, med industry. And um, he said it would be like taking a can of oil, opening the hood of a car and pouring the oil on, on the engine. It's like, we know that oil needs to go in the engine, um, but we don't quite know where it goes. And mm -hmm. if you were to do that, the oil might flow into some of the places that it needs to be, but you know, obviously it's going to go in a lot of other places too. And that would yeah. be detrimental to the engine. And it's, not, and it's not the most effective way of addressing the, right. you know, the acute issue. Right. Yeah. So it, it is very much uh, a science experiment. That's like, that's why when you go in, they put you on a low dose and have you come back in six weeks to see. To calibrate. How it's yeah. affecting you. Mm. Right. So, you know, I think it's important to say anytime you talk about this uh, in this kind of setting, we're yeah. not, we want to be careful that, you know, we're not telling people to, you know, to go and flush all of their medication. It's something that needs to be um, dealt with um, very carefully because if because of how impactful this is on your brain, if you just right. cut it out, it can really throw you yeah. off. It needs to be done with the consultation of a doctor. Right. Or, yeah. Yeah. And that really brings us to the role of the biblical counselor. Isn't our role isn't to tell people to to stop taking their pills. Our role is to to help people interpret what's actually happening in their life as it relates to what God's word says. Yeah. yeah. You know. And it's almost like what you were describing cuz because in a clinical setting or in a secular setting, they don't really know what the end goal is, right? They don't have an objective because they don't have an absolute truth. And so God's word provides us with that absolute standard by which we measure our lives. Mm -hmm. And that can be the primary objective to guiding someone out of a state like depression or fear or anxiety. Right. Mm -hmm. So to that point, it's our goal isn't to reduce symptoms, but mm -hmm. for God to get glory in our life, you know, and we have the word of God, right? It tells us exactly what that looks like. So the the world's, you know, the the secular world's goal is to reduce symptoms. And and that's not necessarily what God has called for us to 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 live a, a symptom free life. Right. Uh, but to live a life that brings him glory. Yeah. So you can have sadness in your life. You can have anger. You can have moments of joy and elation and and yet um, even when you're kind of going on that emotional ride, the whole time you can be stabilized by your knowledge of, of who God is. And That's his right. Power. Yeah, yeah. That's good. So we've addressed how the secular world deals with depression, right? It's through prescriptive drugs. It's through hours and hours of therapy, you know, to help someone normalize 
Uh, but how is it that a biblical counselor can address this issue? I'm, I'm kind of thinking about our listeners mm-hmm. who are, for the most part, folks that are part of a local church. Uh, they love ministry. They love people. And they see around them, or maybe they even see in them on their own selves, mm-hmm. uh, issues of depression. And they need to use God's word to help deliver others and themselves from those moments of depression uh, when their emotions begin to get out of control. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can walk us through, through what it looks like to deliver ourselves or help deliver others from these mm-hmm. uh, this emotional aberrancy. Yeah. So what's true uh, when we when we think about our these unpleasant emotions, these uh, and or our anxiety, our depression is that it's our body's way. It's God's way. Uh, of telling us that something's not right, and mm-hmm. and when we frame uh, our our depression in that way, it, it it shifts our focus away from trying to find relief. I don't want to feel despair. Mm-hmm. To being curious about what is it that's happening in my yeah. life that needs to change. Yeah, like it's a perspective shift. It's like there's is there something deeper here that's actually my emotions should be pointing me mm-hmm. back towards a root issue. Something, yeah, something's happening in my life, and when this is happening, it's that gauge that's saying, yeah. "Hey, um, we need to listen up because something's not working." And we know this obviously, you know, in other areas of our life. When you think about physical pain, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were to put your hand on a stove, your body instantly alerts you and instinctively causes you to withdraw your hand. Right. So what that means is that even though there's that initial pain, um, it's actually really good that you felt it. You, yeah, you needed that response. Right. If you mm-hmm. left your hand there, then it, I mean, eventually it'd just be gone, right? Mm-hmm. So it lets us know that something bad is happening. And and that's similar to what happens when we experience uh, some depression or, you know, other unpleasant um, spiritual or emotional. Um, yeah. So just by way of example, like um, uh, imagine for a moment someone's feeling, you know, depression setting in. Mm-hmm. How is it they they get that biblical perspective. What what can they do to look into their lives and be introspective with God's word to figure out what the problem is? Anxiety and depression, it it debilitates us, right? It consumes our thoughts. And so uh, we go to uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, um, all scripture, uh, I have it here, it says, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, mm-hmm. truly furnished unto all good works. So it's essential that we know how to diagnose depression and get our treatment plan from the word of God. Yeah. So we can be truly furnished. Right. Like the and- end goal is to take God's word. Like, do we believe that or not is the real, is the real question. Like for the Christian... Because, you know, obviously therapy has become such a big deal mm-hmm. in in a Christian community and, and, and in Christian culture. Um, it is, it's like the church has, has fallen down on the job, right? And it's like, because the church has failed to help people learn how to use God's word to become perfected and to, to, to use God's word to be thoroughly furnished, we failed to do that. And mm-hmm. so people are looking to these outside sources like therapists uh, to, to, to show them the way, right? And, they have and it's no become direction. so accepted. Yeah, it, they, they are, they're there to, to be shown the way, but they don't have the direction, right? Like right. They, don't, they don't have the, uh, a clear path. Mm-hmm. And so it moves to minimizing or yeah. uh, trying to, to um, 
decrease some someone's symptoms. Yeah, right? you forfeited a biblical perspective in order to get a secular solution to right. whatever it is that you're struggling with. Right. Yeah. So then what does it look like? I mean, continue to describe for us what it looks like for someone once they've made a discovery, say they recognize from God's mm. word, what is the thing that is causing the pain? Right. What do they do? Um, when I when I talk about this with people I meet with, uh, we talk about this act, this thing that happens, that's this concoction of uh, physical things that are happening to us and around us and the sin that uh, happens in our life, us missing the mark of holiness. And what that does is it produces a belief. And that belief, you know, is, you know, uh, mantras or tapes that we kind of hear in our mind. And mm -hmm. over time, that, that develops a perception, a lens, you know, and how we see the world. Yeah. And out of that, we respond. You know, we do things based on what we think. And mm -hmm. that naturally then produces a consequence, whether yeah. it be good or bad. And so when we get caught in this negative cycle, this act into this um, belief and this perception and this response and the consequence, it reaffirms the negative belief. And, you know, over time, it just digs this this mm -hmm. pit. And mm -hmm. what's significant about that, you know, we, we see in Second Timothy 2, it talks about the, the snare uh, of the devil, right, that we're ensnared by. And um, uh, one effective snare is a pitfall. It's you, you dig a hole and you place the... the it's a certain type of trap. Right, a, yeah. A and so uh, the prey falls into this trap and it, it disables them. It doesn't kill them, but it debilitates them from living yeah. their life. It's like the, in cartoons, it's either the box with the stick yeah. or the a, a trap in the ground with like leaves over the and top they, of they it. And they like pull the the grass over like a blanket. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's exactly. That. That's, yeah. that's a pitfall. Right, Okay, right. yeah. So and, and so then we we fall into that and um, and we kind of find ourselves there mm -hmm. and um, we're stuck in it right we claw yeah. at the sides and it starts to become the place that we live and defines us and that's what happens to people uh, they get worn out with trying to get out of that mm -hmm. but they don't have truth right yeah. so we uh, as the as the servant of the Lord the believer the biblical counselor uh, we want to meet them in that place right mm -hmm. and. I think it's really important how we do that, right? We want to be able to join them with the tools to get out. Yeah, yeah. So tell us what that looks like, because that that sounds wonderful, you saying it. But I think people really do struggle with what it looks like to invest in people that they love, or even just like find themselves, because you have to deliver yourself from the snare, right? Teaching yourself how to do that, mm. that's a whole nother thing than just saying, you know, people need to get down and help people out of the pit. Right. Something you and I have talked about before that I think is is important in this is kind of uh, the assessment, the generalization really of how um, Gen Z and millennials um, are really good at getting down in the pit, but they don't bring the tools with them to help the individual get out. Mm -hmm. And the Gen X and the, the boomers are really good at throwing the tools down in the pit, but they don't right. go down there to see what they really need. Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like for, for the younger generations who are ruled by emotions and feelings, it's like they're, they're either they're, they, they ride the spectrum of emotions like crazy, like it's a roller coaster mm -hmm. and they can find themselves in the place of despair. And they're really good even at, at empathizing with one another in that place. Like mm -hmm. they can, so the counselor really knows how to get down into that place and, and experience that with them, mm -hmm. but they lack 
the tools and the provisions necessary for delivering that person out. Where like older people have a tendency to, to, you know, leave leave people hanging emotionally and struggle mm. to empathize with them, but uh, but they have all the right tools to guide them the right direction. They right. just they just don't know how to meet them in that place. Right. So um, in scripture we see Job, right, mm-hmm. and we know the story of Job where he. Uh, he loses everything, and we see him, you know, uh, in this pit of despair. Uh, it's even described that way, mm-hmm. right? Like they they talk about him being in this 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 trap, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and what we see is his friends come and they they grieve and they mourn with him. It's really beautiful that for seven days they wept with him, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, when we when we see that and we read that from a position of wanting to to come alongside people or come down into the pit, that's a really powerful picture. Right. To be able to weep with those who weep, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to to mourn with them. Um, but then uh, they got caught and they kind of messed up a bit because they assumed they knew why all of this happened to right. Job. Right. And and so they started rep you know reprimanding him and saying. Uh, basically, you you know you've done something wrong. You need to repent, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's a really um, important picture for us as well. We want to make sure that we assess what's happening in someone's life. Is this a physical I- issue? Is there some sort of sin that's happened to them, or some sin that they're doing? Right. And, uh, that assessment process is really important. So uh, going down into that pit is really powerful because we have a good look at what's happening, mm-hmm. but we also need to bring the tools from scripture right like this is what's happening in your life to be able to see it clearly to help them recover themselves from the snare which is to show them the way that they can get out Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like what you're saying is that um if if you just simply empathize with them and that's it well there's no deliverance Mm -hmm. and if you just toss the tools down Mm -hmm. and say best of luck that's not helpful either. There's this beautiful balance between mm-hmm. being with someone, hearing them, and engaging in a dialectic where you're not just talking about the emotion, but what's caused this. Where, mm-hmm. where, where were you in your mind? Mm-hmm. What were the things that were going on? What are the things that, that started you down this path? Getting there with them mm-hmm. and then sh- showing them how to get on a proper path and, mm-hmm. and move forward in faith. Yeah, this is so powerful. And, you know, I, I often hear people come and when they come talk to me, they, they've gotten good, sound, biblical uh, direction, uh, but uh, they don't, uh, they weren't met in the place of where they're at. So th- I can hand you a tool, but, and it, it could be a good tool, but it, it might be the wrong tool, right? And so you hear people say things like, yeah, uh, we don't want to do this. What, you know, I, we went through, uh, this this great loss. We had miscarriages, and you'll hear people say, "Well, mm-hmm. at least you know, at least you can get pregnant." You know, this yeah, this yeah. try to this word of encouragement, which just doesn't work. We don't want to say uh, we don't want to do the uh, well at least game with yeah. people. Um, yeah. We want to be able to acknowledge their pain, find the root of it, um, whether it be hardship or sin, and then show them in Scripture how they can recover themselves. Mm. So that's really good. Um, Maybe you can give us some keys. Uh, what are the what are the tools to properly engage someone who's struggling with an emotional issue, be it depression or whatever? Um, how do you engage them in a way that is going to help them or help you proper properly assess, but mm. then also help them move forward? Right. Yeah. So first, we want to examine what's happening. 
Um, so first examining the issue and then providing direction and then giving them a model to follow after yeah, it. Yeah. Right. So uh, the correct examination is so important. And our role is to instruct them to examine their own selves. Mm -hmm. uh, eventually, we want them to self counsel. Right. Examine together. And then, but by doing that, you're teaching them how to be self critical. Right. And, and assess their own emotional state in a proper way. Right. So, yeah. you know, to admit that this is the state that I'm in, I'm in is really important. Right. And a lot of times, you know, uh, people don't know that they're in a pit, mm -hmm. right? They don't know that that's, uh, it's become normalized to to live day to day in despair. Mm -hmm. um, uh, when in reality, God has called us to live a life full of joy. Yeah, and victory. Right, and mm -hmm. so it becomes, uh, they come become desensitized to what's happening. So mm -hmm. really we're wanting to examine uh, for them to be able to see, oh, like this is where I really am. Uh, Psalms uh, 42 is an awesome picture David gives us of being able to to kind of do this. I want to I want to read it. It okay. says in verse five, "Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God." So here we see the psalmist. Um, he's admitting both to himself and to God that uh, that he's in despair, and so. We want to instruct uh, them to examine, you know, both what's happening physically and spiritually. Uh, do they need to go to a doctor, right? Do you need to get better sleep? Is there something that's happened that you're not grieving, mm -hmm. right? A loss that's happened, or is there a spiritual issue? Is there sin in your life? Is there a root of bitterness? We want to assess and examine. Yeah. What's ask, ask the question why, like that's what David's doing. Like, right. Why soul? Why, why are you in this state? Right. That's the hard question. Right. And sometimes it takes time to figure out what what is actually causing, right? You know. And he and he so he's talking to himself, mm -hmm. right? He's saying, "Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me?" This speaks to the main problem, right? And the whole matter of the the spiritual side of depression. We spend a lot of time listening to ourselves, right? We, we, we hear ourselves tell ourselves these old mm -hmm. beliefs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of talking to ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's good. So what's incredible about the biblical counseling dynamic is that we get to create a new belief, right? Mm -hmm. a new, hey, this is what God's word says about your life. And when we speak that over them, it gives them something to say, mm -hmm. right? To, yeah. to the, the voice that they're yeah. hearing, right? Yeah. So um, this is this negative spiraling cycle that we were talking about earlier. So we need to be able to reverse that cycle, right? So the majority of unhappiness in life is due to the fact that we listen to ourselves rather than talk to ourselves. Yeah, that's good. And um, David, in effect, saying, hey, listen, you know, uh, you know, why are you so cast down? You know, um, he's asking himself these critical questions. He's saying hope in God, right? Uh, the science to spiritual living is to know how to examine yourself, mm. right? To uh, handle yourself, to question yourself, to preach to yourself. Uh, so you must remind yourself who God is and what he's done and what he's going to do. And so uh, you read, you know, up until the end of that that passage and you see him say, hope thou in God. He's he's talking to himself. Mm -hmm. you, you feel this sadness, as I said earlier, you know, it's like, this is my location. I'm in despair. Um, but 
I, I direct myself towards the truth, which is I can hope in God. Yeah. Right. This is, oh, this is what he's done in my life. Yeah. This is what he's promised that he's going to do in my life. And so when we talk to ourselves in that way, uh, it directs us towards what's true. Mm. I talked about earlier with that cycle. Um, it starts with that act, you know, so the act is, you know, someone hurt me or I did something that I'm, I feel shame about. And the belief in that is, well, I'm broken and I'm not enough. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's this belief that kind of starts to cultivate. But when I talk to myself, I can remind myself of what's true. Why are you so hard on yourself? Right. Why don't you know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? Mm -hmm. I can start reminding myself of what the Bible says about who I am in Christ. So then the perception that it was, was I, you know, I have to prove myself, I have to become acceptable, um, but it's probably not going to work. And when I talk to myself, I can say, you know, why are you so discouraged? Don't you know that you, you know, don't you know that you're the son of the most high God? And so um, instead of my response being that I need to prove myself by being a better Christian or a better dad or better at my job or, you know, do better at my diet or whatever it yeah. is. Um, I can say that, you know, actually I don't have anything to prove because there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. So I'm talking to myself about what God's word says. And so in the consequence isn't going to be exhaustion from trying to prove myself. It's not going to be, you know, despair because I was overwhelmed with anxiety. Instead, um, you know, the consequence is that I'm not alone, right? I, mm -hmm. I'm with God as he is with me. And, you know, so there's this uh, new cycle that starts to take place. Yeah. Um, and you and you think about how despairing it would be to be in a pit, right? Where, you know, you maybe you try to get out and you slip and you fall. But as you, uh, you continue to search for the way out and you get some footing, right, on some truth, something that holds your weight, yeah. right? And then you, and you find some more footing and some more footing. And before you know it, Right. Not only are you not in a pit of despair, but you're walking by faith, right? Yeah. Like in the direction that God mm -hmm. has for you. Man, that's good, dude. Um, it's possible for people to to escape depression or broken emotional thinking by contemplating, rehearsing God's word in their heart. And this is how we create. I mean, we talk about discipleship. Right, and we talk about the disciples. Mm -hmm. Well, the disciples lived with Christ in order to repattern their lives in a way that was glorifying to Him. And I think sometimes we forget that there is no easy escape route to sin and to broken thinking. It's mm -hmm. not like it's not like we can just take that pill and everything's going to be okay tomorrow. Uh, things will still be difficult. And I feel like what you're saying is you're, you're giving us keys to build new disciplines, new habits of thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, we like I want to go to the gym and I want to build a habit of getting in shape. Right. But the harder thing, the thing that's harder than doing the workout and having the workout as the habit mm -hmm. is the habit of waking up. It's, the, disi there. it's the discipline of my mind, not right. the discipline of my body. That's the harder right. thing. And right. I feel like what you're describing is building a discipline of the mind mm -hmm. that will produce the outcomes that we want. Right. I mean, this this right now is a good example, right? So mm -hmm. you hit me up last week and you're like, hey, can you come do this? I said, no. You're talking about the show. I asked right. you yeah. very last second if you would come and do the show. And me. I said, it's because I'm too busy, mm -hmm. right? I'm too busy. But when I started to think about it, it actually wasn't 
I, I am busy, but I, I can make it work. It was because of fear, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I, I think about that belief. Well, I, the fear is I'm, I don't know enough to be talking about this, right? And so then the perception, the lens I look through is that it's not going to go well. I'm not going to know what to say. And so then the response would be that um, I get really anxious and I, I, you know, I'm not able to say what I want. And mm-hmm. The consequences that I'm going to fail, right? And I'm going to feel embarrassed. Yeah, and people aren't going to like me. And yeah, you know, all it goes on and on and on. All that yeah, stuff. Yeah. And so what happened was uh, instead I said, I, I challenged that belief and said, what's true is, you know, God has given me opportunities to learn about this and to sit with people and to see it, you know, like in the trenches with people when mm-hmm. they're actually in the pit. And man, maybe God wants you know, to use this in someone's life who's getting to listen. And so then I challenged my fear and said, I'm going to step forward in faith. So the perception is, well, if God wants to use me, he can. Mm -hmm. The response is I do it. The consequence is God will use it, right? He'll get glory out of it. So then you can see how it, the thinking of this distorted belief that is the accuser of the brethren that sidelines us, Mm -hmm. right? When we, when we live in fear, uh, it we opt out yeah. of whatever God's called That's us to That's his primary do. objective. Yeah. You know, like he knows that we're going to die one day and he's either going to get us or not get us, right? right? But but for the believer, like the ones he knows mm-hmm. that he's lost that opportunity on, right. man, if he can suspend us through fear, anxiety, the, cy- the cycle that you're talking about, well, then he's won the secondary right. battle. Right, You know, and I think that that's, that's a really important perspective because what you just described for us in your own life, right? Mm. Like with the, the context of being on the show, you know, today, was the was you first examining yourself, mm-hmm. defying what you knew was incorrect, and then rebuilding a new pattern, mm-hmm. one decision at a time. Like, right. I'm gonna text Brandon and say, Yes, I will do the show. And you were like, Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> I was being like satanic, maybe yeah, by, yeah. by calling into question. But no, like yeah. I think you defied, you examined, you defied, and you chose to repattern right. your life in a disciplined way that 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 reflects what you know to be true about about Christ. And what we see that comes out of that, man, is like that is what builds faith. Mm-hmm. So you see like our heroes in the faith in the Hall of Fame. It's like these regular men took steps of faith so that they felt afraid. They felt the emotion of fear, mm-hmm. but they chose to then redirect towards what's true. Like, I'm going to hope in God. You know, yeah. David, I'm, I'm going to hope in God. And then he took a step forward in faith yeah. and God met him there. Mm-hmm. And he did that over and over and over in his life. And so you look back and you, know, you see these men, you know, we have, we have leaders and elders and men in our, you know, the body of believers where it's just like, man, these dudes are so like, they trust the Lord. Mm-hmm. They're not afraid, right? And and it's because moment after moment with them t- stepping out and trusting the Lord rather than listening to their fear, mm-hmm. um, God shows up for them. And so at, at some point you're just like, yeah, God's gonna do it, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so it builds our faith and allows us to be a part of what God's doing. Man. So now all of a sudden, you know, anxiety, fear, depression, these things that we're trying to like subside, like I don't want to feel those things. We actually use, you know, God uses those things yeah. to uh, refine us into the image of Christ, which mm, is yeah. super cool. Yeah, that's so good. Well, dude, I, I feel like we could probably talk about a million things mm. here. It's a big topic. And in fact, you spend most of your life, you know, day to day in your profession dealing with people who struggle with depression. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot we could say about it. 
But I think ultimately, I mean, the, the summary you just gave us is is really good, and um, we're thankful for it. And uh, so I want to thank you for being with us and and, yeah, thank and you. going against what you felt. Yes, praise God. Man. Yeah, so seriously, I, I I was thinking about it on the drive here. I'm just like, man, I'm so thankful um, that God um, lets us, you know, be a part of the work He's doing in our life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the fact that we can we have like the liberty uh to be able to to choose to serve him you mm -hmm. know um it change it flips depression up on on it on its on its head right because the world says let's not feel bad and and god says let's let our infirmities bring god glory yeah right yeah. and that's what's so um just awesome right our life matters now instead mm -hmm. of uh, just trying to get through it mm-hmm and you're not trying to f fix yourself. You're trying to lay hold on the great physician. Right. You know? Yeah. You're just trying to go with him. Let's do it. Yeah. Man, dude, I love you. Love you too, Thank man. Thank you. And we'll, we'll keep having you on episodes to talk about these kinds Let's of issues from time to time. I'll probably cool, say dude. no at first, and, and then, then yeah, I'll text you like right. late at night and be like, just kidding, dude. I'm trusting the Lord. I'll just assume you'll draw the right conclusion. Yeah. yeah okay. That's good. good. Love you, man. And love you. And we love you and we're thankful for you as well. And we, we want to say thank you for joining us for another episode of The Postscript. And if you've been listening to this and, and you've been, you know, maybe you're struggling with depression. Okay, well, the first thing I want to say is that there is a solution and it is biblical. And it might take hard work on your part. You might need to go to a pastor uh, or a trusted confidant in the ministry. And you might need to go to them and just start by expressing the fact that your, your heart is hurting. And then let them examine with you, you know, let them sit with you, uh, let them ask you the right questions and determine in your mind that God can help you, that the depression isn't the problem, right? That's not the problem. Lots of people face depression. The problem is whether or not your perspective and your beliefs are going to be right and are they going to motivate you to follow Jesus Christ? Are you going to step out in faith? And, and you've got to get to that place. And so, so reach out for help if you're struggling and if, if the conversation also inspires you, like you, you recognize maybe right now that, that God wants to use you to counsel other people, well, we want to highly recommend that you join us in Living Faith Bible Institute. We've got classes on leadership, um, how to understand the Word of God. So if you want to learn how to apply the Word of God intelligently uh, and, and literally uh, to other people's lives and you want to help them and you want to lead them and you want to guide them and you want to be responsible for that kind of work, we've got classes to help you do that. And one of those classes is the biblical counseling class. And it comes around in a cycle, you know, almost every other year. And so you'll see that pop up in our courses pretty, pretty often. And uh, if you do, you should sign up for it so you can learn more about how to use God's word to help people uh, uh, overcome emotional and spiritual issues that they deal with. Uh, again, thank you for joining us. We love you. Share the show, subscribe, like, whatever you do. Uh, but we want to say thank you for your support and, and we'll see you again next week. Bye. My name is Dallas Lauderdale III, man. I just want to give you guys a little bit of background of my story. 2016, I graduated from Moody. And Pastor Trotter was like, hey, we're about to start another semester in, in LFBI, man. Why don't you hop on it? So 
I did, man. I learned more in those three classes than I did in two years enrolled in movie. LFBI is what I was looking for back in 2014 when I enrolled in Moody. It has increased uh, my zeal for the word of God and for the God of the word. I really encourage anybody who is out there that is that is seeking God. This is the place where your excitement for the word of God and again, for the God of the word will increase. So hopefully I'll be seeing you guys soon. Take care.